0: Today we celebrate Mother's Day. Motherhood is full of challenges and problems, but eventually they move out. (laughs) It's also good to remember that children brighten the home. Who ever, who which child ever remembers to turn out a light? Who else but a mother can show joy over receiving a 64-ounce bottle of perfume with a cent price tag on it? <laughs> One mother shared about her, her children, and when um, her son was six, he was shown a picture of him just right after birth. And uh, the umbilical cord was still attached. And he said, what's that thing on my belly button? And his older sister chimed in very quickly, that's your extension cord. (laughs) Well, today we're going to look at one woman who demonstrates positive qualities in motherhood. She really is a hero to many, including to me. We're going to look at the life of Hannah. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, you can do that, or we're going to show the text on the screen. Beginning in verses 1 and 2, we're going to show the setting and the cast of characters. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a zoophyte from the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, son of Jehu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. First lesson. Never volunteer to read the first verse in an Old Testament chapter. <laughs> Even I struggle with some of these names and their pronunciation. Well, we see El- Elkanah. Husband, polygamist. The Old Testament is an accurate record. It records truth. And this man was a polygamist. But nowhere in the Bible, is polygamy commanded or encouraged. It's not God's pattern. God's pattern is for one man and one woman to marry. Nevertheless, there are instances where that pattern was not followed. Well, why two wives? First wife, Hannah. Hannah. Her name means grace. And she was unable to have a child. Now, it's interesting that actually contracts have been found from ancient, the ancient Middle East, in which if a woman could not bear her husband, a child, she was required to provide a second wife. And so that may well be the situation in this case, it was seemed horrible if you couldn't have a child. No one was there to carry on the name. There was no one to continue the family, and that, for a woman especially, was a great disgrace. So, in situations like this, and the situation is in Abraham and others, another wife comes along. The second wife has a name that sounds strange to our ears: Penina. The name means pearl, but as we will see, she is not a pearl of great price. So here's the problem, barrenness and being provoked. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests to the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Here is a woman who is in deep pain. What's the problem? Well, she can't have birth. Uh, she can't give birth. She can't bear a child. And as we said, in that culture, that was about the worst thing. Not only that, here is another woman who is provoking her. And, and that woman is her rival. Now, it's terrible to think of a woman having to share a husband with another person. But to have that person year after year provoke her, and even in the context of going up to worship, trying to irritate her. Can you get a picture of what this situation was like? Seems like the circumstances and people were stacked against her. And frankly, her husband is no prince either. Look at this guy. He seems to passively sit by as his wife, his first wife Hannah, is provoked, and he does nothing. Still, he does try to give her some comfort. Read verse eight. Elkanah and her, Elkanah, her husband would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Now let's see how this problem was resolved. It has to do with a vow. Hannah offered a vow to God to raise her son and give her son to service to the Lord. And this particular vow is found in Numbers 6, and it's called a Nazarite vow. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery... And remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. A Nazarite didn't shave his hair, and that was a sign of his total dedication to the Lord. Well, catch the emotion in this moment, bitterness of soul. Hannah wept much aloud. If you will only look upon your servant's misery. You know, sometimes God begins a great delivery in extreme circumstances. Such hardship seems to make us, drive us to the Lord, drive us in prayer demands that we focus on the Lord. And as much as we might hate that situation, it does help us to be consecrated and totally dedicated to him. Causes us to seek him, beg him. Have you been there? Are you there now? Are you going to your knees, going to the mat With your requests? Are you prepared to give the Lord glory should He answer your prayers and give you your request? By the way, God does not share His glory with another. He is a jealous God, jealous for His reputation, and rightly so. When people steal His glory or try to give it to another, God sometimes steps in. God is God and no one else can occupy his throne. May he be forever praised. Amen. Now something happens to this woman while she's in pain and praying. We're going to note Eli's confusion here, and this develops character in the story. Verse 12, As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli... "'observed her mouth. "'Hannah was praying in her heart, "'and her lips were moving, "'but her voice was not heard. "'Eli thought she was drunk "'and said to her, "'How long will you keep on getting drunk? "'Get rid of your wine.' "'Not so, my lord,' Hannah replied. "'I am a woman who is deeply troubled. "'I have not been drinking wine or beer.' I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli concludes that she's been tipping the glass too much. <laughs> and he endures her, uh, encourages her, exhorts her to sober up. Well, Hannah assures him that she's not been getting soused, that she is in great emotional pain. Sometimes it takes a lot to be this transparent, but she has nothing else to lose. She is is there. She shares her heart. And Eli is convinced, and so he sends her away with a blessing. So here is Eli's blessing. He said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Next, we see that God remembers, and we see Hannah's joy as a result. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went on her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, she arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. By the way, why is it important to note that? The Lord remembered her. Because when the Lord causes a problem, only the Lord can fix it. Verse 20. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. So here we see a model for how to handle adversity. Don't deny there's a problem. Be willing to acknowledge that and take it to the one who can help. Take it to God. He's the one who can help with any problem. And don't give up. This went on how long? Year after year. Sometimes we pray once and we give up. Well, the Lord's not going to do that. Keep on praying. Keep on seeking the Lord. Keep on asking, seeking, knocking is what Jesus said. How long? Until the Lord answers, right? And that's what she did. And God answered her. God does remember her. I found a powerful illustration I want to share with you. The doctor told Marsha Mark and her husband that they needed to accept the fact that they were going to be childless. Amid the discouragement, Marcia clung to a friend's words who said, somehow, Marsha, God is going to use your struggle with infertility for his glory. Marsha began to pray for a glimpse of that glory. In her words, I asked everyone I knew to pray. One five-year-old gave God suggestions. Dear God, please send Marsha a baby. Maybe someone could give her one. Or she could just find one on the street. Amen. (laughs) Well, she says, My husband stopped praying when we realized I was beginning menopause. Being a scientist... Tom had seen all the facts, and he had never seen prayer change facts. Six months later, she says, I made an appointment for some tests, including one more pregnancy test. They looked at me with pity and said, no, you haven't had any cycles in seven months. Asking for another pregnancy test indicates you're not accepting things the way they are. I begged for an extra test, and they consented and did the test. It came back positive. Over the next 14 days, the hospital asked for and got four more pregnancy tests (laughs) and three sonograms. She said, now it's them who are not accepting facts the way they are. <laughs> she says, my full term pregnancy was uneventful unless you count every day bathed in praise for answer to our prayers. On October 22nd, 1996, Amanda Joy was born. We call her Miracle Mandy. Well, God works in different ways. Sometimes he says yes, but he may withhold it until we really seek him. Sometimes, unexplainably, he may say no. But God is at work. In this case, Hannah received her prayer request. And she named the child Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Hannah asked, God answers. You know what the word Samuel means? You know what the name Samuel means? It's from two Hebrew words. The word Shema, the word for hear, and El, the word for God, God heard. And every time they would pronounce Samuel's name, God would get the glory. In sharp contrast, however, you see another parent in contrast to Eli. Eli has two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They're priests. What kind of priests are they? Well, they're stealing from the offering. And they're committing adultery. These are dark times. What kind of congregation are you going to have with leaders like this? This is a dark day in Israel. And Eli, their dad, he knew what was going on. And he represented God as a priest, but he didn't deal with his sons. He didn't love God enough to confront his sons who were doing this. In sharp contrast, you see another parent, Hannah. She loves God. She's fervent in prayer. She makes a vow, and more importantly, she keeps it, even at great cost. Now, many in this situation, when God seems distant, they would tube it spiritually. Especially when you look at the kind of folks in the house of God. Isn't it easy to look at spiritual leaders, and when you see a pastor go astray, isn't it easy for the congregation to just say, well, if it doesn't work for him, it's not going to work for me. I'm out of here. And that's the thing I always grieve about when I hear about a fallen pastor, is because I know some people will be looking at him rather than God. And because of him, they're going to leave the church and never darken the door of a church again. But Hannah... She saw all this, and even though God didn't answer her prayers, even though she endured great hardship, she stayed steadfast. She continued to seek the Lord. She continued to worship the Lord, even though it didn't seem to pay. And what about her son when he's born, finally? Samuel, as hard as times were, as hard as it was, mom gives this child up. Now she keeps him until he is weaned, but she made a vow, and as hard as it was, she takes that child to the house of God for him to be dedicated and raised in the service of the Lord. By the way, it's important to note God gave her other sons and daughters. God blessed her willingness to make that sacrifice. This man, Samuel, became a great man of God. But it was difficult for her to give him up. Made me think of some missionaries I know. Sean and Becky, they were in my church singles group way back in the day. We were all going to seminary together, and Sean and Becky began to know each other as singles in the singles group. And I think he was smitten with her, and she began to draw close to him, and they began to envision a life together. But they wanted to be missionaries, and her mom really struggled with that, really didn't want that. Well, the day came for him to propose. And he had planned on her going up to the Reunion Tower restaurant. You know, that tall tower with a globe in downtown Dallas? 600 feet up in the air, revolving restaurant, very romantic place. But he wasn't there when she arrived. But he came up, dressed as Superman. And Sean is a very muscular kind of guy, and so he could pull that off. Well, he popped the question, and she said yes. But then as they planned to go to Greece, to Thessaloniki, the city that bears the name in the book of Thessalonians, as they prepared to be missionaries to that place that really doesn't have much evangelical representation. Mom had to wrestle with the thought that she would lose her daughter And when they had children, they would be overseas, and she wouldn't be able to see them. But she was willing to make that sacrifice. Sometimes being a Christian involves sacrifices. Eventually, God did bring them back to Texas, so Mom got to experience her, her grandchildren. But as I think of this, it must have been very difficult for Sean and for Becky and the extended family. And how difficult it must have been for Hannah. This special situation. But it has a great ending. Samuel became one of the greatest servants of God. He was the most spectacular lead Israel had had since Moses. And you know how Hannah was a woman of prayer, God answered her prayer? Well, Samuel became a man of prayer. And you remember how Hophni and Phinehas are dipping their hand into the till. Samuel became a man of integrity. At the end of his life, he said, I'm getting ready to go my way. Can anybody testify that I have stolen from them? And all of them rose up as one and said, no, you haven't taken anything. He was a man of integrity a man of prayer, a man devoted to the Lord. So sometimes, God uses the most difficult of circumstances to produce the most godly character. The impact of this woman's great faith and fervent prayer resulted in a man of God. Such is the impact that a mother can have today The hand that rocks the cradle may produce the hand and the child that changes the world. Mothers, you have a wonderful influence. You may not have gotten much glory in all those nights that you spent without sleep. You may not have gotten much praise for dealing with all the spit up that you had to deal with. But you are impacting the world to come amen your impact cannot be denied and I got to tell you women in some ways you are so much better than us guys (laughs) I don't think we're wired to be able to do what you do or to handle what you handle all the sacrifices that you make we appreciate you women I just want to single out my wife for all that she has done. Debbie, you are a wonderful mother. I appreciate all the sacrifices that you make, taking the kids to t-ball and soccer and karate and football and little hoops and track meetings and swim club. (laughs) But the spiritual side, taking them to church, to Sunday night choir practice at church, to Wednesday meetings, to Awana. Wonderful thing. That's where Matt first heard the gospel. Taking them to things that impacted their life. Cub Scouts. Debbie, you have impacted them by helping them with their homework, helping them excel in their studies to graduate from college. To my wife, I give you thanks. Thanks. For those moms who still have kids at home, you are in the race. You may be far from positions of power in Wall Street, and ours is not a culture that esteems the person who puts kids before kingdoms. You deserve better. Our society should value you more. Keep up the good fight. Even when it gets hard, Hannah did not give up. And look how God blessed her. Don't give up in doing good. You moms are incredible. I want to give you one more story that is very powerful and deals with the sacrifice one mother made. It's a true story. It happened during the Holocaust in the Second World War. Solomon Rosenberg and his wife and their two sons were arrested along with Rosenberg's mother and father for the crime of being Jews. They were placed in a Nazi concentration camp. The rules were simple, as long as you can work you are permitted to live. When you become too weak to do your work, then you will be exterminated. Rosenberg saw his mother and father carted off. Rosenberg watched his family, and he always feared for his younger son because David was a frail child. Well, he would be sent off to work long days at hard work. And he would come home exhausted, come back to the camp exhausted. And he would look for the faces of his family. And he would see them. And they would would huddle together and give thanks for one more day of life. Then one day he came and he didn't see them. Finally, he found his other son, Joshua. Joshua was huddled in a corner crying. And he said, Josh, tell me it's not true. It's true, Dad. Today, David was too weak to work. And they came and took him. But where's your mother? Mr. Rosenberg said. Oh, Dad, David cried. And Mom reached down and took his hand and said, David, there's nothing to fear. And she went with him. That's the kind of sacrifice of a devoted mother. That's the power of unconditional love. A mother's love is one of the most potent forces in the world. It can give strength in the darkest of times and provide comfort in moments of sorrow. It helps to develop a sense of self-worth and confidence. A mother's unconditional love is one of the true game changers in the world. From the very moment a baby is born, they are supposed to feel the love and support of their mother. And praise God, we have many mothers here today who have demonstrated that. And we give you thanks. We acknowledge you for running the race. We thank you for your endurance, your patience, and your love. Know that you deserve a round of applause. And so I think it is a good thing for us to do now to honor the mothers who are here today. Would you give them applause? (laughs) I think we want to do one more thing to honor our mothers. Today we have a flower and a card. And I believe Gary Shine is going to hand these out, and the flowers are compliments of Marie Shine, Marie, thank you for putting these together. We really appreciate it. Today, if you're a mother, you get a flower. If you're a grandmother, you get a flower. If you take care of someone else's children, you get a flower. If you are a mother-to-be, you get a flower. If you have a pet, (laughs) today if you are a woman or if you are a girl, you get a flower. And our thanks for your hard work and your devotion in raising children. And we have two more serving up in the box. Thank you, mothers. I want to give them a round of applause again. Father God, we thank you for the gift of families. We thank you, Father, for creating men and women, for creating families. And Lord, for that special bond that women have with their children. Father, I'm just in awe of it. I thank you for creating that family and that relationship. And I pray, Father, that it continue to be strong in this country and around the globe. Father, strengthen families and help mothers who work so tirelessly and serve devotedly. Bless them, Father, we pray in Christ's name.